Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. So welcome, everybody. We are with Alexandra Cole, who I just last night read her book, and I was so inspired by her book, and somebody didn't show up for a podcast interview last night, and I was like, this is a miracle that this person didn't show up, because I wouldn't have asked you right now, you know, I love how stuff that doesn't work actually works, right? Works out. It happens all the time. So it's, it's my lucky break that he didn't show up. <laughs> It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So um, Alex asked me to do a blurb for her book, and um, we were just discussing uh, lo the lovely Mercury Retrograde. So I'm going to blame Mercury Retrograde on the fact that I didn't get your PDF of your book when you sent it. And I see the email that says, attached is the PDF, right? But that email, I literally never saw that email. I only saw it as you were responding to it, right? So I didn't get the PDF of your book. And then you were like, huh, just checking in. And because the guy didn't show up, I was able to read your book in one sitting because it's that fun and that good. Obviously, I didn't do the exercises, but the book that we're talking about right now, which is totally entertaining, it's totally fun to read, and it's full of exercises for somebody who is looking to find their purpose. Alex is the co-founder of Purpose Generation, which is a millennial insights and strategy firm that helps brands deal with their consumers in a more powerful way. And she created a workshop based on the work that she did does with Purpose Generation called Find Your Purpose. And this book is the baby of all of that really great work that, that you do. And it's my favorite thing about books is hearing stories, real life stories. And you're, it's chock full of real life stories. So thank you for this amazing book that you are just now birthing into the world. Well, thank you for taking the time to read it all in one sitting and your extremely kind words. It's my first foray into the publishing world. And I was actually inspired by you. I saw you a while back, um, as I mentioned, at an event here in Santa Barbara. And it was you and Jen Sincero speaking. And at the time, I think... Jen, I uh, Jen not Jen Sincero, but close. Oh, Jen, right. Jen, Jen Pasteloff, yes. Like, I, have, I have both their books next to me, Jen, Jen Pasteloff. Um, <laughs> right. And I was so inspired at the point, I think I was about halfway through the manuscript or maybe almost done with it and still kind of sitting on my hands and wondering what I should do and whether I should pursue this. And um, I'm very glad that I hear, heard you both speak because it, it very much inspired me to go through with it and get an editor and, and do all of that fun stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. I think that every single person that writes a book comes to that juncture too, where you just go, oh, it, it, you know, oh, does this really need to be said? It's like, there's nothing, I'm always saying that, that there's nothing in my book that's new, right? There were, in fact, I stopped writing the book at one point and started writing romance novels. And I'm not even, I've never even, I have never even read a romance novel, but I was like, <laughs> I am going to try something 
so diametrically opposed to what I'm doing, but I needed to like clean out the arteries, right? And, and there were so many writers at that event too. Like Santa Barbara has a beautiful community of people who have amazing stories that need to be told. And you were one of those people. So I'm, I'm super happy that you came that day. Yeah. But- and I think what's cool too is now that the publishing industry is changing so much and making it more... I think accessible to people to actually tell their stories. And because of social media and technology, I think um, we actually also have the potential to reach those really niche audiences that we're writing for. Um, So even if you have, you know, if you don't have an audience to start um, or you have a very small one, at least you're so much more likely these days to kind of find your people, so to speak. Um, And I always say, you know, even if you impact one person with your words, um, it's a hundred percent worthwhile um, to do so because you have no idea how that one encounter or that one line in your book might completely, um, you know, change someone's trajectory. Maybe your next book is find your people. (laughs) (laughs) I I know. Lots to say on that too. Although I'm always still in the process, you know. Let's talk about how you came to to the the life moment where you started Purpose Generation because I love your story. Yeah, it's interesting because if you had asked anyone close to me, um, you know, while I was in college or anything, any time before that, they would say that the last thing I would be is an entrepreneur because I'm I'm very risk averse, and so I actually grew up in the Netherlands. I was born in London. Um, moved to the Netherlands when I was six and grew up there, went to a Dutch school. Um, But fortunately, my mom had actually gone to college in the States. And so I remember visiting U.S. colleges at age 11 or 12 and just falling in love with the, you know, whole concept of a campus and liberal arts. Um, And so from that point onwards, I'd always kind of got it in my mind that I wanted to go to the U.S. to study. And I arrived there um, and after, you know, a few years started thinking through, you know, what I wanted to do. I'd always actually been very passionate about um, more of the the nonprofit space, but specifically social entrepreneurship and using the power of capitalism to do good. And so I thought I would end up um, in some type of you know, role that was related to that. However, then you realize that you're in this amazing Ivy League school and I feel incredibly privileged and fortunate to have been there, but there is a lot of pressure to pursue specific types of jobs that um, are, you know, very challenging, potentially very rewarding financially, um, but you know, everyone is going into banking or consulting. And so even though a tiny part of me or probably a large part of me still wanted to pursue the thing that I was so passionate about, I felt I had to fall in line. And so I started interviewing for all these types of um, jobs in New York. And I ended up getting a job at a large management consulting firm um, and starting there right after graduation. And I absolutely loved the people I was surrounded by. I mean, they were all brilliant individuals. And some of the projects were um, interesting, right? But I never felt um, that 
you know, those, those butterflies of excitement or passion in my belly that I wanted to go above and beyond because it thrilled me. I wanted to go above and beyond because I knew that was what would, you know, make my manager happy and potentially get me that promotion and look really good on my resume. But it wasn't that it was bringing me any sense of joy or fulfillment. So it's like it was coming yeah. from the outside, not from the inside. So exactly. it was coming on top of you. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And it was at that point too that I started realizing I actually had no idea what brought me joy anymore. Because as a kid, I loved musical theater. I you know, was on stages and performing in some way, shape, or form for a, a lot of my youth. And as I went to college, I kind of started shutting that down because I somehow internalized that, you know, that wasn't what was going to make me money one day. That wasn't really a respectable career for a graduate of my caliber to pursue. And so I had kind of stopped doing all the things that really brought me joy and replaced those with things that would bring me, um, again, like accolades and praise. Um, and so it was around the same time that a, a very close friend of mine, Nellie, came back from being abroad and we started meeting in the mornings before work and just kind of discussing all these interesting things that we were seeing, most notably all of our peers leaving these large corporate jobs to work for startups uh, because they felt a greater sense of purpose. Um, you know, they felt more ownership but they were also starting to buy products and services from more local brands, brands that had a story to tell, a strong mission. And we started wondering, you know, what's going to happen to these large iconic brands if they can't figure out how to solve this challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and when we looked around, we realized that the only people who were paying attention to this and potentially advising on this were, you know, 50 plus year olds um, who you know, we're advising based on what their kids were telling them. But really what we needed is a quote unquote millennial, which at the time was a completely new concept to people, quote unquote millennial voice to help these big brands navigate this new, you know, world order um, and all of these new behaviors and preferences. And so that's really what ended up inspiring the launch of Purpose Generation, our company, um, which helps these brands kind of build more purpose-driven products, relationships, campaigns with um, the next generation of consumers, which honestly right now is almost everyone because we know everyone has now kind of caught on to that type of mentality. Yeah, but it's cool. You were, you were one of the first out of the gate. So it's almost like you're, you're helping the company find their purpose in this new world order. And then funny because it's like, it's a pivot but you're applying, I understand that you're applying who you are in the world as a company versus who you are in the world as an individual and make what makes your heart sing, which is why I'm having you on the Superhero of Love podcast, because your book is so written for our hearts. It's like, you know, in, in my book, I have this concept of the mighty flame and, and paying attention to what makes it grow and what makes it dim. And your corporate job made your mighty flame dim and you are in the world lighting people's mighty flames. Uh, you know, you're, you're creating infernos basically in people's hearts. So it's so beautiful. I love thinking about that. And yeah, it actually, so what happened was as I was doing this work and, and we were having conversations with a lot of my peers and these, you know, customers, 
what kept coming up was this discussion around purpose. And maybe it was because our company was called Purpose Generation, but it just dawned on me how many people were grappling with this question, what is my purpose? And I think that's also, of course, because we live in a time you know, of relative peace and prosperity. And so where is our grandparents and great grandparents, you know, were much more focused on the task at hand and survival in a sense. Um, we have the ability to, you know, not wait until we're 65 to think about how we want to make an impact in the world, but start thinking about it right now. Um, but what I realized what was missing is a very, a clear path to get there, kind of that step-by-step -step roadmap to figure out and articulate what your purpose is, right? Which is so overwhelming um, to articulate it because all of these individuals felt stuck. They couldn't, you know, not everyone can afford to leave their job and you know, travel the world and find their purpose that way. Um, but there weren't as many methodologies um, that would help people find their purpose right where they are today without making any major drastic changes. And once you've articulated that, that purpose, that flame, you know, so to speak, um, it makes it so much easier to start making small incremental changes um, that can help you design, as I say, design your life around what matters most. What's your number one tip that you give to people? If you meet somebody that is, you can tell that they're just unhappy with their, the state of their life and their flame has been buried by the shoulds that you didn't fall into, right? That you, when, when you started being buried by shoulds, you said, nope, I'm out of here. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm, it I'm took going a to little while. I was buried in the shoulds for a bit. <laughs> So what's your number one thing that you tell people to do when they are in that state of mind? So I love questions because I feel like quest we, we all have the answers. Um, I think that's a big thing that I've learned. It's just that sometimes we're not asking the right questions or we've kind of completely shut ourselves off to that inner voice that's able to answer those questions. So one of the things that I would ask someone in that position is what are you curious about because to me those curiosities act as clues and in the book as you know i you know refer to something which i call purpose triggers and purpose triggers are kind of activities feelings environments that give you that heightened sense of meaning and that heightened sense of joy and they can be really small, like some people get an enormous amount of joy with having you know, the perfect latte or the perfect cappuccino, <laughs> right? Or they can be bigger things, like people get a lot of joy from traveling to new places or you know, writing and just starting to pay attention to what these things are and then making, um, I think, intentionally trying to build more of those activities into your day-to-day -day can make an enormous difference. And again, even making people aware of that question, they'll start to look around and be like, Ooh, what am I curious about? Or what does bring me joy? Um, because what you'll find is those people that are buried in shoulds have kind of lost touch with you know, what that even looks like and with that inner flame. Um, and so I think the first step is starting to recognize that. Yeah, I was just, it just popped into my head that my friend who's a Holocaust survivor, she had not really dealt with the pain from the Holocaust. 
And in her early 50s, she had a nervous breakdown and her doctor led her to, and I'm talking about Trudy Strobel for anybody that hasn't heard her episode, go back in history, in the history of the Superhero of Love podcast and look for her. There actually, I've, I've interviewed her a couple of times. She's so amazing. But the doctor, she wasn't talking. She was kind of muted by her experience, actually. And so her doctor said, how about trying to express your stories through art? And that led her to the most extraordinary passion. And the reason she popped into my head is that she's somebody in my life and it makes me tear up. Like she's somebody right now, she's 80. She's gonna, I think she's going to be 82 or 83 um, in a couple of weeks. And she is working on a piece right now. A huge, it'll be like her hugest piece ever even. Right. And she's, you know, she has like arthritis in her hands, you know, like it's not easy for her to move anymore. And she wow. is so impact, like she does in this detailed embroidery and her embroidery is so detailed that she can just do, you know, like in one day, she can just get like a, a you know, a half inch by an inch is the whole day's work. Right. And this is going to be this enormous piece and it is lighting her up. So cool to hear because I think honestly, for me, purpose is the kind of center intersections of your strengths or your talents, your, you know, passions, and then your potential to contribute. And I think the first step is uncovering kind of what are, what are those passions or curiosities like I just talked about and just start pursuing those. And I promise that you will find a way to use those to contribute to other people. Um, and just hearing you talk about this woman just now, I mean, she started doing this for, you know, more of a selfish or personal reason, right? But through the work that she's doing, she is inspiring so many people, even just yourself. And it's not necessarily about how good the art is. It's even just the fact that, you know, at 83, she is so lit up by this that she's continuing to do it, which for you probably is a sign of like, hey, oh my gosh, I have so much time to still A, figure out what I want to do, <laughs> B, dive into it and see, look at how powerful it is to pursue those things. Um, even if, you know, you don't know where it's going to lead, or even if it's not for, you know, necessarily profit or prosperity, it's just because it makes you feel alive. Yeah. She didn't even know that she had this God given. I mean, she is an extraordinary artist and actually a book is coming out on April 20th about her life and her art. Cause it's that extraordinary and she's in museums and stuff now, but she dove into that. And this is kind of what, um, what I was thinking when you were talking is that you can dive into something. She did it for therapeutic reasons, right? Like she was led to try this out. Like she didn't even know that this was going to be her expression. So I love how you're the, um, like you may not even know that it's a purpose trigger, right? You may not, you may not even know that it's going to bring you joy, but just jump. Like if something sparks you, like somebody mentioned something, jump toward it and dive in and see, it might be like, she first started drawing and drawing was not it, you know, painting. Yep. She's a good drawer. She's an amazing drawer. She's an amazing painter, but that wasn't it. It was the embroidery. And it was like, oh, pow. <laughs> yep. so, and it's also good to, I think, again, this is especially important for people who have kind of lost that 
connection, I guess, to, to even to their bodies and to, you know, those curiosities is starting to pay attention to where you feel that ping of like, Ooh, I'm excited about this. Or, Ooh, I feel joy. Like for some people it's in their gut, for some people it's in their heart, for some people it's in their head. And it's just start again, paying attention to this on a day-to-day basis. And you'll get better and better at recognizing that sooner and sooner so that you don't have to spend too much time drawing before you realize, no, it's actually the embroidery right right knowing so what you're saying is like awakening your senses to the triggers like so you know when you're when you're being triggered your purpose is being triggered your joy is being triggered exactly I got so many things out of your book and one of the things was an introduction to Howard Thurman who I didn't know about so tell us about Howard Thurman and I'm gonna just read this I'm gonna let you introduce him but let me read this this amazing quote and you have a few quotes throughout the book Do not ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Oh my God, I love that quote so much. The world needs people who have come alive. Okay, so tell us about Howard Thurman. So Howard Thurman, I actually also didn't know that much about him. Um, but he was honestly like a teacher, a professor who actually inspired many of the civil rights leaders. Um, and I think that one of the things he actually spoke those words at a graduation speech, um, which I didn't realize had also been a tradition going that far back. Um, and he was speaking, you have to imagine, to you know, a whole generation of graduates. And really the message that he wanted to get across is that there's, he talked about it as the genuine. There's a genuine inside of every single person. And that to me is kind of the same as the authentic self, right? Um, and what he's saying is instead of you know, pursuing those shoulds and instead of, um, you know, just following blindly that person in front of you or the path that's been laid out to you by um, your parents or your school or whatever it is, find a way to start to pay attention to that, that genuine um, because we've all been gifted a unique set of experiences, a unique set of talents for a reason. And I fundamentally you know, believe that as well. And I think that if we all started paying more attention to what makes us come alive, we'd had, we've had a much more rich and diverse society. And um, we've kind of all started just, you know, doing the same thing because that's the thing that has been getting a lot of attention and lost sight of ourselves. Um, and so I, I love this quote and I love that it was something that was actually, you know, said back in the you know, first half of the last century during a time, um, you know, where I think a lot of people did feel ashamed for who they were or felt limited in what they were able to pursue or do with their lives. Um, and, you know, despite all the progress that we've made as a society, it's still, those words are still just as valuable today as they were then. Yeah, like imagine the world where we all are in our, in our bliss because we are fully come alive because we have found our life purpose yeah. thanks to things like your book. Okay, so for the people that are, that have blocks, you know, like the, the, the 
the childhood wounds or the um, training that has steered them away from finding that genuine. Tell us about, you talk about blockers. So tell us about the blockers and how we can deal with those. So there's a lot of different blockers that I, I cover in the book, um, including things like criticism or comparison. Um, there's the imposter syndrome, which is something that I suffer from as well all the time, even in publishing this book. Um, and then one of them, one of the big ones obviously is fear. And one of the tools that I've started using is kind of thinking about fear in two ways. So there's productive and unproductive fear. And fear obviously, you know, was extremely important. If you think of the earliest humans, um, we were all given this, this fight or flight response because it was our means of survival. And, you know, the way we experienced fear in our bodies was actually, you know, a way to save our lives, essentially. However, now in today's world where we're not actually, you know, waiting for a tiger to come eat us or, you know, <laughs> neighboring tribes to burn our houses down, um, we still feel that, that same type of fear, um, but it is not nearly as, as imminent or doesn't have the same consequences. And fear is one of the biggest why people don't actually step out and pursue their purpose, whether it's a, a fear of failure, whether it's um, a fear of being ridiculed, a fear of not being enough. I mean, there's so many different fears. Um, and so when you start asking someone, you know, well, why aren't you, let's say, painting, right? Okay. And then they give you an answer and I say, okay, well, well, why? And you just keep asking why, why, why? More often than not, the ultimate answer was, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be judged. I'm afraid that I'm not going to cut it. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be making enough money. And so at that point, I want you to ask yourself, is this productive fear or unproductive fear? And productive fear is the fear that will lead to you potentially saving your life. So that's when there's like an imminent life threat. Like if you, um, you know, are walking home from from work in a big city and it's pitch black and you're a little bit fearful. So you decide I'm not going to wear my headphones, right? That's productive fear because that could save your life. If you're afraid because, you know, putting yourself out there might result in, you know, you getting some, a comment from someone that you don't enjoy or you um, starting to paint may end up, you know, hurting, I don't know. And it, affect some type of negative effect, that to me is very much unproductive fear. So I think getting really clear on is this productive or unproductive, productive is, you know, someone's life is at stake here, whether it's yours or someone else's. Unproductive is basically everything else. Um, and <laughs> then pretty much everything on a daily basis, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the other one too, I really like is um, asking about your future self. So coming up with a name for your future self, you know, let's say my future self name is Christina and I will then ask myself, you know, if I don't do this, how will my future self think about that decision? You know, whether it's a few months from now, um, you know, or whether it's 
on my deathbed one day? You know, how will I feel about not pursuing this one thing or not getting this message out in the world? Um, so sometimes I, I like to think of my, my future self and give her a little bit of a, a personality and a persona. And whenever I'm kind of at that point of needing to make a decision, I, I ask her what, what she would do. That's cool. In my book, I do, I go backwards. It's like giving, giving names to the little girl that got hurt who might yeah. be, yeah. Um, also so uh, effective. Yeah. To, to deal with the fears. Um, I just realized when you were talking, I loved one of the examples that you had in your book of, of comparison was that Oprah came out with a book about finding your life purpose while in the midst of writing it yes spring last year yeah okay I had so many moments like that in fact I changed I changed the title of my book because another Glenn Milton Doyle came out with love warrior mm -hmm. but you think oh and you you were so authentic and so wonderful you were like okay well Oprah did it well I don't need to say anything and that what am I gonna say that hasn't and it wasn't just Oprah the book was like a summary of all the most amazing guests you have she's had so you can only imagine how I was like well how am I ever going to talk any of the wisdom that these people shared so, and if you're an author right now and you're hearing this, both of us had to say to ourselves at some juncture, nobody is exactly like us. Nobody has our life experience, yada, yada, yada. And nobody is going to tell it in the exact same way. And you never know who's going to touch who. It's like, so true. And for us, I think that's another thing. You and I think, oh, well, everyone reads Oprah's book. Yeah. That's not true either. You know, we're so steeped in this, this world and, and personal development and personal growth that to me, it seems like, well, you know, if you're going to choose between my book and Oprah's book, you're obviously going to read Oprah's book. And, you know, everyone's probably going to have read it by the time mine comes out. But you realize that that isn't, that is not true at all. And if our books can serve as kind of even an entry point, and then from there, they might be inspired to pick up Oprah's book or listen to her podcast or your podcast, you know, that's, you know, all the better. And I don't think there can be, you know, too many books sharing this type of information in the world too. That's another right. thing I needed to remind myself of. Right. That's beautiful. Well, I am very happy that you wrote this book and that you didn't stop when you heard. This is just such a shout out. I feel like you, sh you, you have so many people in the Santa Barbara area that you will be inspiring also, like hands-on inspiring them to tell their stories. And that's a big passion of mine that we all have a story. And like you just said, nobody can tell it. Nobody can tell our story exactly. And no one has our exact story. I love that what you did with your story and your transformation, and you were so young when you had this transformation, brava, that you had your, this huge come to Jesus I'm moment sure in your 20s. Many more of them. <laughs> I'm gonna need to write, you know, at least a book every few decades to kind of talk about what I'm personally going through. But I love that you took your transformation and you turned it into a, a system that helps corporations, which we need to also improve the health of corporations, as we know in our political climate, right? Like helping their health is helping us, but also helping us as individuals. And it's 
it's so beautiful. And your book is, you guys, her book is totally fun. I learned a lot of new things. I, I laughed out loud even at some of your stories. And I was just inspired at every turn. And it was, it's a page turner too. So, so if anybody listening is in the situation of trying to find their life purpose, maybe feeling like you've been, I, I love your example of wearing shoes that were too small because you fell in love with the shoes and you were wearing the shoes that were too small because damn it, I'm going to wear I'm these gonna beautiful shoes. It. I'm going to make <laughs> these fit. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a good metaphor for what a lot of people do, stuffing their life purpose into a different, you know, a box that doesn't really give them a lot of bliss. So thank you for your book. Thank you for your work and congratulations. And when does the book actually, I know I got an advanced copy. So tell us Mm -hmm. when it actually comes out. The book is available for pre-order right now on www.purposeplaybook-book. Um, but it will officially be available launching on Amazon, et cetera, in May of this year, which is exciting. Um, and I also just want to give you a shout out because you are an example of someone who is, you know, living on purpose. You're a superhero of love. And <laughs> I think that's infectious. And, um, you know, I get personally so much energy from, from people who are clearly doing what they were meant to do. And that might change too. That's another thing. Like your purpose isn't, you know, there's not one purpose that you have. Um, it can evolve as long as you're continuing to apply those strengths and those passions to something that in some way, shape or form is contributing to society or the world around you. I couldn't do all the exercises cause I was just trying to read that it really fast. Impo- I'm glad you did it because <laughs> that's a lot to, to put in one evening. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved, like, there was one exercise where you just asked a series, like, a lot of the exercises are really super easy and fast, actually, yes. too. And, like, one of them was, you know, one of them was a series of questions, like, what makes you, makes you happy? What makes you full of joy? What makes you What did you love with- to do as a child? Yeah. 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 So, and those are so fun to do. And I was, I, uh, I am confirming what you said. I am living my life. <laughs> Good. I know you did all the exercises and you affirmed, yes, this is exactly what I meant to do. (laughs) It's so fun. And yet I still have issues focusing my attention on the right, you know, you you know what I'm saying? The, like, you can know that that's the other thing that your book gives you, right? Like you can know what your purpose is and not be focusing on the right things. Most powerfully. And one of the best things about being able to articulate your purpose is you use it as a filter. So whenever something comes up, an opportunity comes up, or a decision needs to be made, refer to, and I have you put it into a statement too, um, refer back to that statement and ask yourself, you know, will this opportunity, you know, help me live in alignment with my purpose? And if the answer is no, it's so much easier to say no. And if the answer is yes, it becomes much more of a hell yes. Um, And it helps you focus because a lot of people are are good at a lot of different things. And so you're going to get pulled into a lot of different directions just because people are like, well, you're so good at this. But just because you're good at it doesn't mean that you're passionate about it. And I think without that passion, you're not going to be able to make the impact that you could. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Alex, for coming on. Thank you to the man who didn't show up to his interview. (laughs) (laughs) I would pass that on. All right. Have a most beautiful 
purposeful, love-filled day. Thank you so much for having me. And you too, superhero. Have a most wonderful, love-filled, purpose-filled day. And please go check out Alexandra Cole at purposeplaybook.com where you can pre-order her book. If you yourself are struggling with finding your life purpose and or you know somebody who is, maybe a recent graduate, uh, such an inspiring book, but it's also, it's a great book for everybody because it gets you more focused on, on your bliss, on what your heart needs and wishes to propel you forward in life. So it's a true superhero of love book. Speaking of superheroes, every time you rate or review or subscribe to this podcast, it helps bring more superheroes of love into the fold. Have a good one, superhero.